0: I'm Pastor Daniel Morris, and you're listening to Sharing the Bread of Life, a podcast by St. Timothy's Lutheran Church in Skokie, Illinois. Whether you're a first-time listener or a regular subscriber, I pray that Christ feeds you from the stories and testimony you'll hear today. We do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. May the Lord fill you with every good thing, and may you have enough left over to share.
1: A reading from Exodus now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph he said to his people look the Israelite people are more numerous and more powerful than we come let us deal shrewdly with them or they will increase and in the event of war join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to oppress them with forced labor. They built, they built supply cities, Pidom, and Rameses for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. The Egyptians became ruthless in imposing tasks on the Israelites and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in every kind of field labor. They were ruthless in all the tasks that they imposed on them. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shiphrah, and the other poor, when you act as midwives to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a boy, kill him, but if it is a girl, she shall live. But the midwives feared God. They did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but they let the boys live. So the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this and allowed the boys to live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt well with the midwives and the people multiplied and became very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, every boy that is born to the Hebrews, you shall throw into the Nile, but you shall let every girl live. Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine baby, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and plastered it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds on the bank of the river. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her attendants walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid to bring it. When she opened it, she saw the child. He was crying and she took pity on him. This must be one of the Hebrews' children, she said. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, yes. So the girl went and called the child's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child and nurse it for me and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed it. When the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and she took him as her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites." The Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has come, now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppress them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh. All right. To bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, if I come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, thus you shall say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my title for all generations. We do not live by bread alone but by every
0: word that comes from the mouth of God. Names have played a big role in the biblical narrative so far. In the beginning, Adam named the animals in the garden, claiming authority over creation. Abraham named his son Isaac, claiming God's promise of a flesh and blood heir in his old age. Isaac's younger son was named Jacob because he fought to claim the right of the firstborn for himself. Then, a divine being made a claim on Jacob's identity, changing his name to Israel on the banks of the Jabbok. Today, Pharaoh's daughter claims a Hebrew baby as her son naming him Moses after drawing him from the water. Names are powerful because they give us a claim on one another. They define us to other people, and they express who we are. We might understand Moses' name as a symbol of his people's oppression. He was born into an Israelite family, a descendant of, of Levi. His parents hid him for 3 months, suggesting that he would have been named at his circumcision according to the custom of their people. But his given name would be scrubbed away by the Egyptian princess who drew him from the water. She would rename him in the tongue of the oppressors, calling him Moses. While the editors of Exodus attribute Moses' name to the Hebrew word masha, which means to draw. Moses' name actually comes from the Egyptian word mes, meaning son. One example I came across in my research was the name Tutmos, which means son of tut. It's strange, then, that Moses is not identified as anyone's son. He is just known by the generic Egyptian word for son. It's obvious that his entire identity has been co-opted by his oppressors. They put their stamp on him so that he would only be known as an Egyptian son, one of several hundred thousand. Some of history's most powerful leaders have known that control of identity means control of a person. The most effective way to control someone's identity begins by controlling their name. Our president knows how to exploit the hidden power of a name. He frequently draws on this power to shape public opinion about his political opponents in memorable ways. Who could forget the link between Crooked Hillary and the email server scandal of 2016? Or what about Nervous Nancy, who announced the start of official impeachment proceedings last week? If impeachment fails... Perhaps sleepy, creepy Joe Biden will get enough votes to unseat the president. After all, his bid for the presidency is only helped by exposés from former Trump allies like sloppy Steve Bannon. If you have control of someone's name, you control how others perceive them. If you control how others perceive them, they are in your power. Names are sacred, personal things. Yet even children on the playground exploit their potential for control through cruel nicknames, shaming, and mockery. Abuse of a name is an abuse of the person who bears that name. Perhaps this is why divine beings in the Bible often evade the question when humans ask their names. Perhaps they are too familiar with the way that humans claim power over one another by abusing names. Perhaps they have seen humans cruelly replace sacred identity with a generic one too many times. A sacred identity, once lost, is hard to recover. It's all the more surprising, then, that God entrusts Moses, a mere mortal, with God's own personal name. Many years passed between the naming of Moses and the Theophany on Horeb. Moses fled Egypt as a fugitive, having killed an Egyptian taskmaster who was beating a Hebrew slave. He rescued a shepherdess in distress at a well married her, and tended to the sheep of the priest of Midian, who also happened to be his father-in-law. One day, he was with the sheep on the mountain of God known as Horeb, when something strange caught his eye. Moses saw a bush engulfed in flame, yet it was not consumed. A voice from the bush called to him, Moses, Moses. Without knowing who addressed him, Moses replied, Here I am. The voice continued, eventually identifying the speaker as the God of his birth family, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses was afraid, and he hid his face lest he be consumed by the intimacy of such a holy presence. God invited Moses to step closer, saying, Come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Moses rehearsed a whole litany of excuses as to why he should not, why he could not go. But God's mind was made up. Then God did something extraordinary. God entrusted Moses with God's personal name, Y-H-W-H. The Jewish people consider this name, God's name, so holy that they substitute the word Lord wherever it appears in Scripture. They will not speak it. God's personal name expresses who God is. And it begins to define God to Moses. God's name can mean something close to the one who causes to be. Not just an original cause. Not just a first cause, but one who causes existence itself and perhaps even drives history. God gave Moses God's personal name so that Moses might call upon the Lord in his showdown with Pharaoh. The Lord, the driver of history, would wage supernatural war against Egypt through Moses. The Lord, the one who causes to be, would liberate the Israelites from their oppressors as a nation, taking them from Pharaoh's hand as plunder. The Lord would be Israel's Savior, renewing their sacred identity and giving them a land of their own in further fulfillment of the promise to Abraham. This same Lord has become our Savior by taking on our sinful flesh in Jesus Christ. He shares our shame and our death on the cross, renewing our sacred identity so that we might share his righteousness. Like Israel, we are God's plunder. God has taken us from the hands of all of those who would scrub us of our sacred identities and set us free. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the Lord who claimed Israel, has also claimed you and me. Those who engage in abuse will always use whatever means are necessary and at their disposal to keep others in their power. The cycle is only broken when the victim discovers and claims an identity apart from their abuser. You and I have such an identity in our common baptism into Christ. We are beloved children of God. The forces and the people who would claim power over us have been dethroned. Christ has taken their place. In the same way that Moses' name sounds like the Hebrew word meaning to draw, the word Christ sounds like the Greek word which means kind, loving, morally good benevolent. These are the things that we can expect from our Lord. These are the things that we can expect from the God of Israel. A name is a powerful thing. Like Moses, we begin to grasp who God is through God's personal name. All of history holds together in Israel's God, and Israel's God is moving history towards a particular end. We've been blessed to glimpse this end in our Lord Jesus Christ and in the kingdom he ushers in. God is the driver of history, and God is moving all things towards the blessed consummation of God's kingdom. Let us claim the truth that first claimed us. In Jesus' name, you are set free. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Sharing the Bread of Life. For more information on the mission and ministries of St. Timothy's Lutheran Church, please visit our website at www.sttimothyskokey.org or like us on Facebook. Check back next week for a new episode. The blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you now and always.